0: This show furnished by Key Light Counseling Center. Are you looking for an alternative to drug and alcohol rehabilitation that allows you to recover in the privacy of your own home with an individualized program that meets your specific needs? Concierge Detox LA can be that alternative. Headed by medical addiction specialist Dr. Damon Raskin and clinical psychologist Dr. Howard Gloss, Concierge Detox LA will design an individualized program to meet your recovery needs. For more information, contact Concierge Detox LA at 323 935 9712. Although you'll be receiving valuable advice from our host, please remember this is not therapy. It does not replace a relationship with a qualified mental health professional.
1: I'm Dr. G, and we're here with The Shrink and The Showman. This is our first show. And I want to welcome my co-host, Mr. Patrick C. I am the Showman. Yes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we just
1: want to make sure we get that straight. No pun intended. No,
2: I am the Showman, and, and you are, are the the shrink. That no, no, I'm the shrink, and you're the Showman. No, 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 no. no, no. Uh, Danny, I, 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 no, wait, Danny's not in on this shit. Okay, I <laughs> play a shrink on television, and I'm a damn good one too. You're right. Oh yes. Yeah. You uh, know
1: what? And I, I play a Showman while I'm being a shrink. So actually, it works out really well. Don't get me excited.
2: You uh, know, I, I have I've, to. I've been I, doing my best. I, I have Patrick. to tell you, no, we have a very special guest. In fact, I'm going to start okay, with Okay, why this. don't you start with the guest? Hey, guests. I think I love you, so what am I so afraid of? Is this a of? spoiler alert? <laughs> Come on, get happy. <laughs> Point me in Patrick, the Patrick, Did you take your medication of, before I could the show? A yeah. And you didn't
1: even say, okay, stop. Patrick, you promised me you were going to take your medication before the show.
2: <laughs> what medication is that, Howard? <laughs> <laughs> your birth uh... <laughs> control. Okay. Okay, this gentleman got his start Go in show business at the age of nine in the Trouble with Girls, starring Elvis Presley, 1969. The following year he rose to fame, starring as Danny Parchers on the TV series The Parchers Family. His career spans five decades in television, film, and radio, including the Danny Bonaducci Show, Breaking Bonaducci. I know my kid's a star, and the other half with Dick Clark. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show, Mr. Danny Bonaducci. Yeah. Danny, Danny, it's a pleasure Bonaduce. to have you on. And
1: I do want to remind our listeners if you want to call in, the number is 1 800 222 5222. You can also email us with any question or comments you have at engage790
2: at gmail.com. Okay, uh, Danny, I got to start with this.
1: No, gonna, no, I, I know you, ha- you had something you wanted to bring up. So, Danny, why don't you listen this? Okay, here quickly. it is. So, I
2: have one word for you. Ready? All right, one, one word. Shirley Jones
3: confident that's two words yeah okay. <laughs> <laughs> not, <laughs> yes.
2: not not in a personal way so <laughs> your mother uh, who played my mother shirley jones yeah. right okay so that we have in common also would you say america's mom at that time
3: i would i might even say it at this
2: time okay so
3: here's my question okay what was she like as a tv mom uh she was a fabulous team and i'll tell you what she carried the duty of being a tv mom to being do you know how i met you uh no but then she, again... <laughs> i was having a real hard time at home with my with my dad okay and it was turning physical and the only reason she knew about it is because one day he knocked a tooth out and she had to i had to shoot a scene with a <laughs> chicle. there was no time to fix it with a chiclet <laughs> and so she found out about this and found out it was a recurring thing and started taking me home to your house that's how you met me oh, she was kidding. rescuing me from a, a, an abusive home yeah. well
2: from that moment on i right. not only became a fan but he was my idol. Forget that <laughs> Forget that David guy. He became the guy.
1: <laughs> and in what way was he your idol? Let me he play just, shrink he right now. He
2: was a couple years older than I was. Right. I remember, do you remember being on the set? Because they shot at the Columbia Ranch, right? Yeah, sure. And I remember being on the set, and I would come on the set, you know, his moms, and they'd get, run around, and we were running around the set, right? And I would run around with Danny, and I was just, you know, and Danny was smoking cigarettes at the age of 12. And is <laughs> yeah, actually you? true, yeah. Okay. What? What? And I remember Danny was running around with bare feet, and we were like in the, some little alcove, you know, back thing. And Daniel says, he goes, hey, watch this. He takes the cigarette, he puts it on the ground, and he puts it out with his bare foot. Do you remember this, Danny? <laughs> of course, I remember.
3: It was a trick I did for <laughs> many years. Actually, it was
2: brilliant and made a h- huge impression on Shirley Joe's son.
3: <laughs> I can only imagine. Well, uh, Patrick, Doc, it's it's a pleasure to be here. I'm excited so great to part have your you. first show. Right, this is the first the, one. of The first the... show of this trick the showman. Yeah, right, so I'm very excited to be part of it.
1: Yeah, so much. So one of the things, Patrick, when we were talking about pa- uh, Danny coming on, you when uh, we were talking about it before, you brought up this interesting concept of what. It, The jealousy that you had that he was on the set getting all the attention from your mom and then you were at home getting no attention and you felt so what, you know, none none
2: whatsoever. In fact, I'll tell you what really hurt is that at 830 on Friday nights, right? I'm sitting there. There's my mother making you dinner. Oh, I never wow. had my mother in my life <laughs> make me, me dinner. You know,
3: you actually did uh, at your one man show, which is brilliant, by the oh, way. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Uh, your a part of it was you said your mom saying something like, what was your housekeeper's name? Uh, Beulah. Beulah. That at one point, for the 20th time, she's going somewhere, and you said, your mom said, now listen to Beulah. So I'm assuming. When your mom made me dinner, it was a thing you didn't get. Never. So I never concerned about. Th- I never thought about this in my whole life. But I can see that would be a thing. I I mean, d-
1: and never. you know that's is the grudge he's had against you all these years? <laughs> <laughs> oh, who knew? I mean, who knew? I yeah, know. Who know? It I takes I, a shrink to be able to tell thanks, you that. Right? And, and
2: that. And it is a strange thing because as she was your television mom, and she was like I said, America's mom. I had more people coming up to me saying, "Oh God, I want your mother to be right. my mother." You know what I mean? And meanwhile, my mother is at being my mother. You know? Yeah, <laughs> you know I can see that would be an
3: absolute thing. So, hey, by the way, I don't yes. want to interrupt. no, can no you, you give you out interrupt. the phone numbers one more time? Yeah, I was I about to do love, it. I would love to take some phone calls. I grew up in this area. Yeah, I lived here for 30 years. I'd be curious what people want to know about the uh, shrink, the showman, and now Danny Bonaduce. The, the, the Danny
1: Bonaduce. So, Danny's right. Let me give out that number again. It's 1-800-222-5222. You can also email us with any questions at engage790.com. So, Danny, let me ask you a second question. So what was it like, sort of your experience here? You were coming from an abusive background, and then you had Shirley Jones take you in and uh More really, than once. More than once. I'm just curious... You know, how you think that affected you as a kid or maybe affected your performance to feel like you were really part of this positive family. I,
3: I, I don't know exactly. I, like, I loved being part of a, a positive family. But right. there was some, and this is going to sound crazy. Thank God you're a uh, doctor. Yeah. Uh, there was some I just ups. play one on the radio. There were some ups, only maybe three or four times in my whole life. Right. My dad punched me square in the face. Okay. And by the third time, I started getting up, and I was Good 11. For you. Well, no. I'm just, I mean, getting I just, up. You mean just, fighting back? No, that? no. i was no. just I'm capable of getting back up. It wasn't that big of a deal getting punched in the face by a grown man. Doing that made me the toughest guy in the fifth grade. Yeah. Little kids, are you kid? You want to fight? Billy wants to fight you out by the fl- flagpole at three o'clock, and I would just kill Billy and then right. go home. So there was that. I became, you know, I'm short with red hair and freckles. Becoming the toughest kid in school was a big deal for me. And then you hit the Partridge family, where people, by the way, where people like your mother specifically. Cared deeply about me, even tried to um, tell me right from wrong. He tried to reprimand right. me and slightly punish me one day. This is my favorite uh, story yeah, yeah, about go for it. Go one for of it. my favorite Great stories. About story. Story. So I'm being a jerk. I am smoking cigarettes and being weird, and I'm late for the call. And this is an Academy Award winner, and I'm making her wait. It's awful when I look yeah, back right. on it. <laughs> you know, I look back on it. It's just a shit, but that. was... I didn't think I was you were a her kid. Wait. What do right. you know exactly? So I start doing this in the set around the uh, the uh, the dining room table, right? And she's had enough of me, and she's a little flustered. She goes. Danny, you go to your room. And she points upstairs. But and there's no room probably. There's no it's upstairs. A yeah. There's a set that vanishes. <laughs> and she, but she, you know, she wanted to take care of me. Nobody ever said go yeah. to your room. Because another upside to that kind of home is the second you made physical contact, my dad, I mean, the punishment was over. There's no getting grounded. There was no, it's like he felt one of those to the head. That was over. Yeah, yeah,
1: it's kind of interesting because in some ways, you know, getting that physical punishment, at least you know what it is. Sometimes the emotional torture can be a lot worse than the physical torture. I got the emotional torture and the physical. Why don't you share that? And we actually have a couple calls in a minute. Okay, I I, I was going to have you back in
2: L.A., Danny. I I got the physical torture and the emotional torture from my brother, Sean. Yeah, okay. (laughs) On a daily basis. And by the way, just to add to your story, I can't tell you how many times in my own home, my mom would come home and say, Danny, go to your room. Oh,
3: my God, (laughs) that's hysterical. Did she ever do things? Like if you were only as good as Danny. That, oh, <laughs> I, I, and then you oh, could sorry. go like, well, Danny's scripted, Mom. It's not fair. <laughs> okay, I'll tell you this, just so you know. I am uh short, five foot six, five foot six and a half. I have red hair that's you know going yeah. a little more uh-huh. dingy by the day. Right. And this guy jealous of me is what He's 6'2? 6'2. Okay, by the way, I so resent you for that. <laughs> <laughs> and on a radio, and it's I not have an wasted. opening on Wednesday. It's not yeah. it's, this is not wasted on radio because radio, it's a new thing today. But people don't know, and I'm not putting you on a spot. He is shockingly handsome. Shockingly handsome, Patrick Cassidy. So that's, and to have him I, be jealous of me. Yes. Do,
2: you, do, you, do you listeners know that Danny is actually getting paid for this
3: interview? If I get paid for this show, I'm the only one. <laughs> <laughs> you bet your are Yeah,
2: exactly. Thank you very much.
1: So, our, our number again is 1-800-222-5222. We have Scott from Calabasas. He's calling in. He has a question. And his question is, uh, is acting an addiction. Interesting question. So, Scott, I want to welcome you to the show and he'll be in a minute
3: scott you're with me bro scott you there yeah okay great Hi, scott, this is Danny. yeah i just wanted to know about you know what
4: everyone thinks about acting in terms of does it become an addiction after hmm. a
3: while the acting i don't know that it can because parts are so hard to get you can have a part in uh and uh, 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 1981 not working until 1987 yeah, right. but here's what's the fame Fame is more addictive than anything. I definitely else. Want to the talk ramifications about the, yeah. of fame are all like life-altering. You wouldn't believe it. Uh, Actually,
1: we, we, I do want to talk more about that. That's a really. Do you think fame is like another high? Like you're searching for the high once you get it, and then you, it's hard to sustain it.
3: Um, you can't. Com- you can't compare it to drugs or so drugs or alcohol. If that's what you're talking about. Right. Drugs and alcohol are exactly what drugs and alcohol. They read. They deliver. They're exactly what you expected them to be. Mm-hmm. When you see uh, a method who's sad and his teeth are falling out and he looks awful. That's exactly what he expected to get. He knew he was going to play with that until that happened. So, uh, so
1: you're saying fame is something you don't know what you're going to get.
3: Well, it's hard to get. But once you're famous, right. I, I, you know, this is an actual story I told. And I told it on stage, and I got some laughs. but I did not mean to. There was a time when I could get into all the private clubs and right, go anywhere. Right. And I would never have to pay for a drink because I was uh, famous. People would love to get famous. And there was one day that the, uh, the red velvet ropes didn't open for me anymore. It was like, You're not famous enough. And I, I didn't have the money to buy my own drinks. So I, I invented a thing and I like this. <laughs> I pretended I even changed my voice. I didn't make it more gravely, but I changed my <laughs> voice. I called people and I said, uh, this is, uh, we work up for Jay Leno on the tonight show. We're doing a comedy bit. It's so funny. Do you know Danny Bondadichi? He played the bass player on the part. Yeah. Yeah. That guy. And we're doing a thing with him and he's playing bass for Mick Jagger. And it turns out they like each other. So Danny and Mick will be in the club tonight around eight. Make sure the manager knows they're there and take care of them. And for years, for eight years, I went into clubs and said, is Mick here yet? And they say, no, but we'll send him over right when he gets there. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's We <laughs> right. see how creative you
1: are. Actually, Danny, we have to take a break. We're going to go to commercials. But when we get back, we're going to talk more about this concept of is acting an addiction and take some of our other calls. The number is
2: 1-800-222-5222. Thank you, co-host. You we'll won't right let back. me speak.
1: Yes, you can. <laughs> we'll be right back after commercials.
0: Engaging minds with your host, Doctor Howard Glus, licensed clinical psychologist.
1: Doctor G, and we're back here with
2: the shrink and the showman, and C. C. Patrick C is here. I have something. I want to go back on the fame thing we were talking about, Danny. You know, one of the things I saw with my brother David, and God knows, you know, we have Ron Howard, we have my brother Sean. These people, and yourself, of course, that make it when they're very young, that get fame when they're young, when they're kids. What separates? Why do some end up, say, like Dana Plato right. or my bro- or in or, a Winnebago? Or, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or right. Or my brother, David, unfortunately. Or or it's but Ron Howard, who who's OK. And and Sean, who's, you know, what what do you think is the is the sort of common thing that makes
3: Well, I'm not sure I have the answer for you specifically, but I will tell you this. I've been asked that many times before. Do you think it's being a child star that uh, made you go take drugs? And I'll tell you one thing, that being a child star is great. Being an extra altar is awful. It's horrendous. Being, You know, you don't have anything. You don't have anything. I was a waiter. And I'm trying to bring people their soup. And they said, hey, Partridge, bring me my sound." It was just, it was really, people were nasty. I was surprised. And not all of them, of course. But, you know, that's one of the reasons you want to get back to it. I, I'm not, uh, you know, trained to do anything else. I'm only trained, and in this case, to be Danny Partridge. Nothing else. I had an acting class. Thought I was going to be great. Thought when the can- the show was canceled, I'd just go on to another show. So I don't know why, but here's the thing. They always ask is it being a child star the major day of drugs and I said I've been to rehab four times and I've never seen an ex-child star there but I've seen three dentists and nobody <laughs> asked them hey is being an ex-child dentist what turns you to drugs right, right. I think it's a roll of the dice who's who's really uh, open to addiction and who's not and who tries harder not to let the you know to go crazy
1: mm-hmm. yeah there's an interesting point you bring up there because I think it's an issue of sort of your temperament and who you are as a person so that nature nurture thing and the support you've gotten and you bring up an Interesting question, uh, thought too, Danny. That your identity was centered around being a a partridge kid, right? Then I believe you probably have to figure out who Danny was, and after that was over. (laughs) Yeah,
3: unfortunately, that wasn't good news. When I found (laughs) Danny, it was bad news. Uh, You want to know if uh, fame is addictive or not? Did you ever see an episode of Breaking Bonaduce? The things I did to myself and the things I did to my family to have one more day on television. Mm. We were—they were canceling my first talk show. Danny was what it was called. And we're doing an animal thing, and I knew they were going to cancel it. And there was a rattlesnake in an aquarium. And I thought, if I get bit by that rattlesnake, there'll be so much press. They'll give me another the show. And I went over, and I started fooling with the rattlesnake. It was really scary. And then some guy went, hey, get away from there. And went, well, now I'm done. I can't go back. It's not an accident. They'll know. I taunted a rattlesnake wow. to get another year on TV. That's <laughs> Well, that goes
1: over your concept of fame and addiction. Yeah. That you just went, you know, you were going to put your life at risk just to get not just because I think there was a sense there wasn't anything else. That's all
2: you knew. And and, and he, also, you... he also wanted to start a, a his own movie called Danny Bonaducci Jackass.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> That's the kind of stuff I did, to be yeah. honest. I did a lot of that stuff.
1: You know, you were sharing with me, Patrick, about your experience with David in a similar way.
3: Yeah.
2: Well, I mean, you know, the, here's the problem I saw it from, my, from my point of view growing up with that is that both Sean and David, they started so young. When you start young, you don't know who you are and you get that kind of fame. And how do you deal with that? How do you process that? And they both processed it differently as you as you did, too. You right. know, uh, I, for me, quite frankly, it was great to watch them because I got to learn. I got to learn. Oh, maybe I shouldn't do this. So this is a good thing, you know, um, and he- they. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. No, no. I, I, it was just a learning curve for for me and, and, and getting to watch them both through the trials and tribulations of fame.
1: Yeah, one of the things that I noticed, you know, working with patients who have had a lot of fame and then suddenly don't, especially child stars, is their ability to reinvent their lives. They have to sort of mourn the fact that they're not going to be a child star anymore and say goodbye to that. There's usually a period where they feel lost, and then they have to kind of, you know, maybe with the help of someone or a good supportive system, refigure out who they are.
2: The greatest choice, personally, that I ever made in my life was when they tried to get me to put on the spandex pants, and I had every record company out of high school saying, we're going to have another another third cast. I had a manager said, don't do this go to new york get in the theater you'll have some longevity and i made that choice it turned out a lot of money at the time and who knows it probably wouldn't have even flown i don't think the public was going to buy a third guy you know with the c-a-s-s-i-d-y last name and i went got to new york and 40 years later i was still working and now i get to be an artistic director and you know,
1: so that's your way you the kind jobs. of reinvented i'm curious danny how, how did you sort of reinvent your life in, in when you moved away and realized you weren't going to be a child star anymore <laughs> well
3: um <laughs> Do you want, like, after I realized I'm not going to make it back and I became a, uh, uh, a drunk waiter, and after that, he became a drunk armed guard, which was a terrible idea for almost everyone involved. or like, Especially the oh, I mean,
1: people you were protecting. Here's what happened.
3: I owe it all to Oprah Winfrey and uh, okay. to three ex-child starts that were just terrible guests. Uh, I'm on the Oprah Winfrey <laughs> show, and I've been arrested for something, and so had Todd Bridges, and so had uh, Eddie Munster and a couple of others. And we're sitting on Oprah's couch, and she's asking kind of these same questions. What's it like? And they're so mopey and sad. Oprah, you know, uh, Hollywood, it just treats young people, right? And it's off. And Oprah goes to me, and I said, I'm having the best time. I had the best time then. I'm having a good time now. I just flew on a plane to do your show. I just flew first class. I've never been in a first class before. And I'm doing the Oprah Winfrey show, and at the hotel, I can sign your name for anything I want. And she laughs, and I go, no, they sell stereos. And she laughed hard, and I did the same run for about an hour. When I got back to the hotel, every talk show in the country had called. I did them all after that. And one of them, I just started doing radio. Although, this is weird. I owe my comeback after getting fired to David Cassidy. Do you know that?
2: Yeah, you t- I, well, so, I think you said it on a television show. I did. Uh, <laughs> I uh,
3: um, I got arrested again in 90, I think it was. And this <laughs> one was a pretty big one. And uh, Do
2: you,
1: uh, you want to so, share what happened? Yeah, I got in
3: a fight with a transvestite uh, prostitute in Phoenix, Arizona, by the way. Won that fight maybe a little too aggressively. Uh, <laughs> okay. ma- made the cover of the Inquirer, oh, did it not? Several times. Yeah, no, let there. me just
1: give out our number again. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, think someone I, may want to call and hear more I, ask questions I about that. I desperately want to talk to people. <laughs> Well, yeah, 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 yeah. So it's one eight hundred, and I'll say it slowly: two 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 five
2: two two two. Patrick one eight hundred two 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 five two two two.
3: That's one eight hundred two 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 five two two two. The shrink, the showman, showman and, and the, the redhead, the <laughs>
1: <laughs> and the Bonaduce.
3: So, where are we so we
1: were talking about transvestites and getting into All fights. Right. So about. it's
3: it's it's not that big of news. It's yeah. a fist fight. The fact that he was a transvestite prostitute made it interesting. But Danny Partridge. It was like saying, uh, uh, Eddie Munster just punched a Nazi. It was that, it was that crazy. <laughs> uh, I split the flagstaff because Geraldo Rivera was hiding in my bushes. It was that crazy. So, uh, David's over and David Cassidy calls me and he's mad. He said, listen, and I love this and I, I'll repeat it anytime. You're the funniest person I have ever known, but now you're the joke and I'm ashamed of you. And I said, you know, I can kick your ass, right? And he laughed at that. And so he said, here's what's going to happen. You're going to come on tour with me and we're going to get you a job. And I said, "Uh, okay. And he goes, listen, on the tour bus, there's going to be no women, no sex, no drugs and no booze. And I said, no. I'm not good No, yeah, exactly. Why would I ever get out of <laughs> <I laughs> He's pay mind. you a lot of money. And he said, uh, "No, you and I. You know, I, I've idolized David my whole life, so right. I go." And he says, "You're going to show up straight, clean in the time, whatever it was, and you're going to be great on time. You're going to do your job. You're going to be fantastic." And one of the end of this, you're going to have a job. We're in Philadelphia, and that happened exactly. I went in, I did the thing. And when I was over, the guy said, "Hey, man, you want to shift? Mornings. You're funny." How? And I've been in radio for the last 30 years.
2: Amazing. Yeah, I'm amazing. amazing. I owe a lot
3: to, to David.
2: And I'm starting now in radio.
3: <laughs> you know what? You're right for it. You're absolutely... It's weird that you're handsome because you don't need, you need it. it <laughs> but uh, Yeah, yeah exactly.
1: Me. You know, isn't that the irony? You know, you work so hard at the gym, you're so
3: handsome, and then you end up in <laughs> ah,
1: radio.
2: Ah, but when he started, they didn't have podcasts.
3: <laughs> I would tell you, when you were looking at me, you said the best uh, uh, The best thing I ever did, and I was going to say, not dye that hair. Because that's, oh man, the white hair at your age, it looked great.
1: <laughs> it looks great. Listen, we have Ryan Cassidy calling in. Hey! hey. Do you
2: know him, Pat? I have not a clue. Is he related to Butch? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Ryan. Uh, Hey, guys. How are you? Hey, pal. Thanks for calling in. I always like relatives on a new show. (laughs) You know,
5: I I thought about, well, I really want to say hi. I want to say hi to Danny. I wanted to kind of just chime in on what you guys were talking about. And uh, and say hello to you, Patrick, and tell you that I'm sitting here listening to you with Kelly Cassidy, our cousin. No,
2: oh, just and, another uh, relative. Yeah, another Cassidy. <laughs> really, at least we know like the Cassidy's are listening. Tonight. God, if only I could get an Osmond to call in. Uh,
3: that that was. You know, I beat up Donny <laughs> Osmond in front of three thousand people. Oh. It was awesome. <laughs> that's it. No, hold on to that story So, R- so
2: Ryan, do you have a, By the way, for those who don't know, Ryan is the youngest brother of David, Sean, and myself. He is an incredible. He's been in the business too. he's a set decorator for a million million years. Ryan. Do you have any good question to ask Danny or or oh, me that you didn't ask me I, today?
5: <laughs> I have I have a, I just want to say hello Danny. How hey, are you doing?
3: I'm doing very well, thank you. How have you been?
5: Good. I've been great. I've been great. Um, I wanted to um, to kind of uh, you know Danny, I also remember you obviously growing up and Quite frankly, I remember you always being a great guy around me and always being a very kind-hearted, wonderful person. And, oh, that's very sweet. Uh, Thank you. I know you had your trials, and I know you... Uh, Three had
3: major team. trials. <laughs> oh, really? you mean a different
5: kind. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, trials of, of all different kinds. I got gotcha. I, I commend you for what you have, how you have come through them. And even though you've fallen down many times, as we all know addicts can do that. Part of Part of the journey is falling down. You're okay today, and and that's what counts. It's about today, right? You,
2: yeah, you absolutely. At I, Ryan, I just yeah. asked him. I just asked him. I said, "How long, how much time you got?" He said, eight years." That's applause. That's.
3: No, oh, wow. yeah, that, that, that really
1: is.
2: You know, you.
1: Um, no, no, I, I couldn't agree with that more. Quick, because, Ryan
3: Cassidy story. Got to do. Yeah, it. go ahead. So, we have two
1: minutes before commercial. okay, go it's for commercials. It, okay, it's a one minute. No, story. no,
3: go. So I'm talking to the guy, and I realize his suit is so cool. You have the coolest suit on. And I said, <laughs> "That's a great suit." And he says. Nineteen thirty-eight. I said what? He said this suit was made in nineteen thirty. He collects vintage clothes, and it's the coolest hobby. Now that I know that, I can't wait to see what you're wearing the next time I see you. Cool.
2: If you walk into his house, I swear to God, it's like a museum of the Titanic. It's got mannequins with suits from 1930s (laughs) Yeah, what a cool hobby. (laughs) a
5: different
2: time. Listen, we're gonna take a break. I'm Doctor G, and 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 Patrick C, and I am the Showman, and And, Ryan, I love you madly. Okay, great. Uh, uh,
1: See you, Ryan. Listen, Ryan, you can hold on and come back right after the commercial if you like.
2: And our number is 1-800-222-5222. Uh, two, 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 two. That's 1-800-222-5222.
1: We'll be right back after the commercials. Good winter calls.
0: Are you looking for an alternative to drug and alcohol rehabilitation that allows you to recover in the privacy of your own home with an individualized program that meets your specific needs? Concierge Detox LA can be that alternative. Headed by medical addiction specialist Dr. Damon Raskin and clinical psychologist Dr. Howard Gloss, Concierge Detox LA will design an individualized program to meet your recovery needs. For more information, contact Concierge Detox LA at 323-935-9712. Welcome back to Engaging Minds with your host, Dr. Howard Gluss, licensed clinical psychologist.
3: I'm Dr. G, and we're here with The Shrink.
4: And The
0: Showman.
3: And the Danny Bonaducci. And I'm proud to be here working with another Cassidy. It does my heart good, but I'll tell you what, I can, I can see your phone lines. Okay. And there are actually calls from David Cassidy, who I love, and uh, I Patrick lo- loves. I Everybody in the room loves David, but he cannot possibly be with us. That's uh, David Cassidy's brother. Uh, Patrick Cassidy doing his new radio show, The Shrink and the Showman. So if you're spending time, we all love David Cassidy, but he's not going to be here, and he's not going to be here tomorrow.
2: I think <laughs> the mistake, Danny, was I sang "I Think I Love You", you at the top of this
3: thing. You know <laughs> what? I've never heard that song <laughs> sung live before. Never. Oh, really? Right. <laughs> do you want to sing it again? Just no, one more no, time? no. I
2: don't want to get it confused anymore. <laughs> okay. So right,
3: go so, ahead. Uh, listen, I want to get back to phones and everything, but why waste this visit uh, with it? You know, my trick cost me a lot of money, <laughs> I and I got one right here. Yes, you do. So uh, I got to tell you. Well, for, you asked me okay. if, uh, if I was you know troubled from being a child star, and I don't think that I was, but here's the thing. I've been sober eight years, and in Seattle, where I live, I couldn't possibly take a drink. In Hollywood, when I said I was sober, people actually came up to me in a bar and put their fingers in my drink and then tasted it. So I just want to say I, I struggle with this so much. I plan to drink again. Every day, I plan to drink again. Is there something I could do besides take the medications that I do to get the, the craving for alcohol and the life that comes with it out of my head?
1: Well, I think you can try to think about what's going on for you emotionally because a lot of times the alcohol is secondary to what is actually going on internally. So it's just a way of maybe people develop a habit of dealing with certain issues. So if you dig a little deeper and look at possibly what that issue is, what that safety zone is for you that you feel like, well, maybe I have this option to drink because I've seen that with a lot of patients. They're afraid to give up that option because then they're terrified that they just won't have anything to rely on that might help them get through the day.
3: Well, the way I don't drink, yes. if I don't go to meetings, I don't do anything. Uh, do you know what the drug and abuse is? Yes. It, it's a, just, so you know, it's a pill. I take it every day. And what it does if you take a sip of alcohol, oh, you're get you get really get not sick, hardcore. Yeah. When they say sick, it's not like a lot of barfing or anything. Yeah. It's like an outrageous allergic reaction. It's terrible. Your eyes hurt and things burn in your flesh. So I I never do it. And I think that's my whole thing. If Amy, that's my lovely wife, she gives them to me every day, every day, every day. If she didn't, I'd drink again by the end of the week. And the question uh, remains. Is there something I could do to not have to take the drugs, to not drink alcohol, or is it just safe to go long-term with abuse
1: Well, I think there's, there's two parts to that answer. I think that it's safe to go with the anabuse and maybe talk to someone or figure out what's going on internally that makes you want to drink because you have to feel pretty secure about that to give up the anabuse. So there are probably issues. We all have them uh, as a way of coping, and there may be stuff from our past that we're trying to deal with. And um, you know, go ahead, go I, ahead to the drink. I, but I, that's what I would do: is figure out what comes before the drinking.
2: I was going to just chime in, and again, it's not the drink, right? It's the think. It's our thinking. So we drink, right, to cover up whatever it is that's 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 painful. Exactly. Whatever it is that we're so we drink to numb that, to anesthetize that. But the truth is, we you have to be sober to get to what's really going on, which is the toughest. stuff. I'm better, since I'm sober. I'm yeah. better at everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, he, Go ahead. And and remember, you as a kid, you had your dad hitting you in the face. Yeah, yeah. You know,
3: I'd want to drink to to, to, to not recall that. One of the it, ways I learned to drink was your dad. Oh, yeah? <laughs> I said this. I, I, Jack Cassidy, man. He was Errol Flynn to me. Just the right. coolest guy ever. And I said to Shirley, I was telling a story to other people. Uh, I'm talking about Jack Cassidy, uh, Patrick's father, and a great Broadway star. Uh, I said, well, I knocked on your door one day at 8 o'clock in the morning and Jack Cassidy opens the door at eight o'clock in morning in a smoking jacket with a cigarette in a holder and a martini. And I said, "I know that's a kid's memory." She goes, "Nope, that's Jack." Yeah, that's- that- what a guy! T- <laughs> see, I thought that's the man I should be drinking by eight in the morning. That's- yeah, right, right, that I was your should- idol at <laughs> yeah. that point. And by the way, you told me that I should talk to someone. I am. What do you got? <laughs> He's looking for advice. <laughs> Live up to Could your time. Did you title. Hear the beginning
1: of this where it said this is not therapy? <laughs> but so, it's fine. It's fine advice. Yeah, but I want to – actually, I want to ask you a question because this is an uh, issue I deal a lot with patients, uh, especially in the entertainment industry. They'll say to me, well, I can't get sober because if I get sober, I won't be creative. And they feel like there's uh creativity comes from that place of being high or being drunk. And there's this terrible fear of giving up that, that they won't be able to perform anymore. I, wonder I, thought, that. I okay. thought that. Okay. And then, so what was the shift for you? Because obviously you're really successful. So you're able to, because I well, have some thoughts. I got to tell
3: you, not not to, you know, I'm, therapy's all great and everything. Right. And I, no, I've had a lot of it. I, you know, I got an appointment with my psychiatrist when I got back. Okay. Uh, and that's truthfully and honestly. But, um, one of the things, I wrote a pretty good book. That's one of the ways I met my wife. I was at Starbucks, and she comes at me, and the only girl that had ever said this to me at that point anyway, she goes, I read your book. And I said, done, boom, you're the girl. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, but what happened was, I'll give you an idea, I, I am dyslexic, and I could never write a book on my own, but I didn't want to pay anybody. So I got that dictation software, Dragon yeah. Naturally yeah. speaking or whatever it is, Great. and I would write the book and get drunk and drunk and drunk, and eventually... The dictation thing couldn't recognize my voice anymore. And that's how I knew it was time to quit drinking that night. Or not how, writing Wait, that. wait. How could you change that voice? Because, well, it sounds like uh, They all spell <laughs> words with big, giant S's in them. <laughs> you get back to transcription. It's just like this. So things like that. When yeah. I, I realized I'm better sober, I just don't know how to do it. And I didn't know how. I went to church, like, almost twice a week for three years. That did not do it. I met a lot of drunk people in church. And eventually, I, I stumbled I uh, figured literally into that drug. And that was the key. And my ex-wife, Gretchen, I asked her, because sometimes I would switch the bottle of Anabuse with aspirin for weeks. She would notice. Just I, so you could drink? Just so I could drink. Uh. And I said, this is never going to work. If you want me to be sober, you have to put this Anabuse right in my mouth. And like a child, I have to go, ah, to show you I took it. And she goes, I'm not your mother. And I got worse. I said to Amy after we got married, I said, I'm never going to be sober unless you put that pill in my mouth. And look in my mouth. And go, ah. She goes, okay. Fine with me, and I've been sober eight years. Oh, I know everything
1: big that young lady. Yeah. So maybe so- Patrick, give out the number.
2: Well, oh, our our calling number. number it's one eight hundred right one eight hundred right and there. it's a two 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 five two 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 that's one eight hundred two 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 five two 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 wait a second did you say one eight hundred two 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 five two 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 yes five two two are the last four and it's two 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 before that and an eight hundred before that okay. yes. so
1: yeah so it is one eight hundred two 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 five two 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 we could be a team
2: yeah
1: you know what I like about what you're saying Danny is you know I hear that from patients too or people I deal with in sobriety and there's this feeling of yeah. <sighs> you know sometimes they feel very uh infant, what we call they feel like a kid because people are handling them so much but maybe sometimes that's what you need at a certain point in your life and just give it up and let somebody be that person and eventually be able to be that person for yourself
3: but, well uh, that's yet to come because i don't do that i rely on my wife it's almost tragic i'm a, you know she, my wife's only 36 and i'm 59 and i won't make a move without her because she puts the handcuffs in my mouth i'm not in jail i'm not fired nobody hates me yeah, somebody called at you... my work the other day and they said Uh, The National Enquirer called for you. They want something... Eight years ago, I'd have panicked. I'd have said, "Oh my God, did I kill a chicken while I was asleep and drunk?" And now I just know whatever it is, they just want an interview. Yeah, yeah but
1: don't you I think like that's really killer. smart of you to be able to recognize that that you know that just is what it is? So I'm going to let her yes. take over.
3: I think that's one of the smarter moves I ever made: is yeah. let the girl 23 years younger than me call all the shots, including my medication.
1: Uh, exactly, and and so Patrick, I'm curious. You know, you're you've a little bit of experience with sobriety too, uh, so uh, I'm wondering if you could share it. a
2: very little experience, <laughs> just a few you've been hours. So much <laughs> just a few that's minutes that's not called <laughs> <laughs> no i no trust me i i have grown up in 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 a family i've grown up in a in a business obviously where i've lost relatives to this illness it's a horrible disease i know no, many many people that suffer with this um and and i understand it i understand it for myself too and it is something that you have to be diligent about every day but it's what i was talking about it's to me, it's not the drug, it's not the alcohol, it's not the gambling, it's not the sex, it's not any of that. It's what's making you do that. And the only way that you can get to that, get through that mud, is that you have got to get
3: sober. It's the only way. You know, I swear to God, this is how you can prove that I'm a complete loser. As you're going, it's not the sex, it's not the money, it's not the drugs, it's not the sex. I'm thinking, that is my list of things to do today. And that's the way, well, that all sounds like great fun to me until so you get involved with it. And, I, you know, uh, somebody said to me one time, I'm allergic to alcohol. I said, what does that mean? He said, every time I drink it, I break out in handcuffs. Well, that's completely true for me. It's like, always something bad happens. When it doesn't happen, like, it's a treat. To be, what if I disappointed you guys? I was so excited. What if I was still drinking and didn't show? After, t- I'd like, I'd wake up and then I'd drink more because I screwed you guys over. And Patrick, mm-hmm. I've known him since he was seven. Yep. You know, I didn't show. So not drinking is, like, the best thing i ever And happened.
2: I want you to stay my idol. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, we have a call.
1: Right. So let me, let me take him on. And uh, I don't have his name, but his number is here. So I want to welcome him to the show. And his question is, does Danny still play the bass? Say he has a Danny story. Does, still, he has, okay. was, does he still do strong? the bass? The bass? <laughs>
3: well, uh, that's what your brother said to me. But yes, I played bass live and in concert one night. David was on my show, and he dared me. And I said, "Oh, David, It's actually
1: David is calling. In. So David, welcome to the show. Go ahead, Danny. Uh,
3: so uh, David said, come on. And then, like, I had a lot of job. I, I'm making some pretty good money. I didn't have to do anything, David Cassidy He said, but I wanted to. I always loved him. And he said, learn to play the bass one song, and then come on, say me, and play it. So I said I would, and I did, and it was a big deal. I ended up playing it with Lester Holt, who plays stand-up bass, and he's genius at it. So I played with him, and I had it. And David's going to introduce me, and I walk out, and he falls beside himself. I'm wearing Shirley Jones's Partridge Family suit. Oh, as far no. as he knows, with the ruffles. <laughs> but really, it was an Austin Powers suit that I got at a costume store. <laughs> but I played one song live. I can't remember what it was, but I, I have played bass on stage once. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I didn't. But because the, the the story
2: I know is that you know on the show when he was a little kid, right? He would strum it like a guitar. And David looked to you one day and said, "Hey, you don't strum a bass; you pluck it." <laughs> right?
3: Oh, that is not what he said. I'm doing it. And he walks over and he goes, "Hey, kid." You don't strum a verse your pocket. But all right, man. Okay. That's what he said. Now,
2: now, now we're talking about my, how I, my father treated me. Actually, that's a great point to go
1: to commercial because I want to hear how your father treated you. It
2: started with that, hey! Okay. Okay.
1: So, Patrick, why don't you take us to commercial?
2: Oh, okay. So we're going right to commercial. And When we come back, uh, you can call 1-800-222-5222. This is The Showman from The Shrink and The Showman.
1: And okay. I'm Dr. G. I'm The Shrink. We'll be right back.
0: Are you looking for an alternative to drug and alcohol rehabilitation that allows you to recover in the privacy of your own home with an individualized program that meets your specific needs? Concierge Detox LA can be that alternative. Headed by medical addiction specialist Dr. Damon Raskin and clinical psychologist Dr. Howard Gloss, Concierge Detox LA will design an individualized program to meet your recovery needs. For more information, contact Concierge Detox LA at 323-935-9712 dr g and we're here with the
1: shrink and the showman and danny bonaducci so let's get back to that caller his name is david and uh david you say you have a story you wanted to share with danny
4: yes i do hey, um man. back can you guys hear me yeah okay? we well, yeah, go
0: ahead well hi
4: uh, uh danny uh, years ago in uh probably early 80s I believe you were the manager of a black Angus in Alhambra. I right? was indeed, my friend. <laughs> well, years ago, my buddies were there, you know, doing our thing and drinking. And we were in college at the time up in Santa Barbara. And we, a bunch of high school friends, and we were there. And we left at about one in the morning, come out to the parking lot. And there's some guys, like muscle bound guys, sitting on our car. And one of my, the owner of the car, one of my friends starts yelling at these guys. And we were going to have this huge five-on-five parking lot brawl. And who comes out to defuse the situation but Danny (laughs) Bonaduce in in his tight muscle-bound body. And we all just kind of looked at him and said, that's Danny Bonaduce. yeah, I'm a big
3: fan. Do you remember that at all? I do. I do entirely. I told, I remember that night exactly because I didn't work that there very long because my old habits die hard. But I do remember that fondly because I also remember the whole spi- uh, thing of Black Angus being a very good time for me, and so I do remember that. Thank you, David. What's so funny I'm glad, about? I'm
4: glad to hear. It. Da- Thanks, buddy. Well, I'
3: buddy. Always been a big fan
4: and. Uh... I hope you're still playing music and being creative and loving life.
2: David, Perfect. David, I have to tell you, this is Patrick. I, what's so funny about that story to me is that Danny diffused it yeah, for the first time me, in your man. life. Yeah, you yeah, actually, I was thinking
1: about story. that, too, as a psychologist. I was thinking, like, well, wha- what, what happened there? Was that the
3: abuse When like? I'm the soundest mind in the room, everybody's got a huge problem. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> well,
4: so, when you came out, I, I didn't know if you were friends of these other guys. But either either scenario would have worked out. I, I would have either had this great story or had a fight with Danny Bonaduce. That would have been, like, amazing.
3: <laughs> well, uh, I appreciate it,
1: man. And and thank, you thank you very much. much for, for, thanks for the phone thanks, call. Thanks, David. Thanks. And and we have a caller, Howard, and he's calling in, and he would like to talk to Patrick. Okay. So, Howard, welcome to the show.
2: Hi.
5: Thank you very much.
2: Hi, Howard. Patrick, I'd like to ask you a question. Sure. Beginning of the show, you said that you made choices based upon what managers told you when you went to Broadway. Yes. How many how many young musical artists do you know are financially solvent today? Young to musical artists are financially solvent. I know who this is, Howard, and you're a business manager and I love you so much. <laughs> <laughs> I know your voice, Howard. Uh, how, uh, how that's a good question, Howard. I, there there are few. I, I could say that my brother Sean is financially solvent yeah he is <laughs> yeah, there's one uh, yeah, or yeah. although although howard might beg to differ considering he was his <laughs> business manager <laughs>
1: <laughs> well uh, howard thanks for the call i really appreciate it
2: I'm not a problem love you howard
3: love you Howard. Love you too, a- actually
1: i have a question for you guys this is a question i get from a lot of patients i'm curious as people in the industry What do you think, you know, makes someone successful through the years and why some people kind of get through the hard times and are able to figure out the career and other people just fall apart? So I'm just curious, you know, because both of you are in the industry and there's so many people listening to the show that are in the industry I would love to hear that information.
2: Mine is going to sound very sort of, I think, corny, but I think success, for me, it was never about show business. Maybe it was because I grew up in it. Maybe it's because I saw the pitfalls and stuff. For me, the success was based on family. Uh, And I I had to get that first part of the equation right for me to have any kind of success in this business. And it starts with my wife, and then it goes with my children and the family. And I know that sounds kind of, okay, it's a pink cloud. But the truth is, for me, it's that. Everything else is an extension of that and uh, and it's true with my extended family my
3: brothers and, and my mom and all that okay so we'll uh, go back to is fame addictive and uh, the, the not having fame the slight thing uh, I own a house I don't own it anymore I just sold it uh, right in front of Grauman's Chinese and that's where the store the uh, tours to movie stars homes are. one day I was walking into my house And I hear the tour guide. He's got his back to me. He's saying, "And Danny Bonducci. Remember him from the Partridge Family? He lives right there." (laughs) And it was one of my favorite things to do. Is I'd pull up next to those tours sometimes, and I'd roll out my my roll down my window and stick my head out and say, "Hey, you meet anybody famous yet?" And they say, (laughs) and they'd go hysterical that it's Danny Bonducci. I did that today, and I said, "Hey, you meet anybody famous yet?" And they said, "No." (laughs) <laughs> that's a little different, man. That's, you know, I, I was real famous. I don't expect ever and don't don't want to. That was crazy. That show was uh, security guards and uh, kidnapping threats. and they, I don't want to be that famous again. But I love not noticing people, oh, that's Danny Peltici as we walk in the room. And that's, I'm addicted to that. I do a lot to keep that. And I do. I do a lot to keep that. You mean, let me make sure I understand. You mean you do a lot to keep that fame? Yeah. Uh,
1: And do you feel you have the same experience now? Let's say at this point in your life.
3: Well, I'm sober and I have money, so this doesn't reflect a lot of portions (laughs) of my life. But you know, I am I am more content now. But I'm telling you truthfully, uh, we do have a joke. My lovely wife Amy and I do a joke when we walk into anywhere in this in foreign countries, wherever it is. When we see the first person, because you get tuned to it, recognize me. She'll go, "Your favorite in Cincinnati. You're famous in Cincinnati." You just look at the first. So it's some it's an affirmation that I, I dig. I want people to look at me. I want people to go, oh, my God, I saw you do this thing. You were so funny. I love it, and I do a lot to keep it, and I'll do it tomorrow. And I have
2: to tell you, the musical theater, which has been my bread and butter for my whole the musical theater version of that is they say, Patrick, how's your career going? And I go, there's no business. Thank you very much. <laughs>
3: hey, can I say this? That when my wife, who is sitting right out there, was 13 because she loves musical theater. She got a birthday party. Uh, birthday gift to go see a Sondheim thing. And I, it was here, right? And they lived in Sacramento. And they drove down because it was so... M- and all the Cassidys were singing at once for the first time. <laughs> and she got everybody's autograph at that kind of thing. And I will tell you, there's something to be sh- said about the showman. You're, you're like, you have a spot... She was 13 and she talks she thinks about it like it was yesterday and loves it and says how kind you were
2: to I her. well she was she she brought it up today I I, I told she got David's autograph she got my autograph apparently and and she didn't get Sean so I'll be bugging him after the show's <laughs> over uh but yeah we, it was the it was the first and only time it was a big benefit and Sean David and myself all did you could drive a person crazy from company
1: you, you know one of the things I'm thinking about Uh, Patrick, it was like when I went to see your show that was so great is that you had told me that this was an opportunity for you to be creative and do whatever it is that you wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And that a lot of times as a performer, you don't get that opportunity because you got to do other people's work. And I felt like that was so interesting to me to see that part of you come out that you just went like, I'm at a stage in my life, I'm just going to do what it Blank I want to do. Well,
2: you know, the truth is, I I, I put the show together and Danny was so kind. He, he came down with his wife Amy and they came down to see it. It's called Just Another Family Tree. It's about growing up in a family where everybody around the dinner tables and show business, and yet we're a family, you know? And and part of that has been this sort of new kind of restructure of, of my life. I'm I'm now the artistic director at Five Star Theatricals, and I'm actually giving other actors jobs. And and it's that evolution that happens where I don't need to be a performer anymore, and I wanna I want to help out uh, uh, you know other actors. Actors and I want to build a company that about where I get to give back everything I learned and And that
3: theater is that's in Westlake. Like yeah, there, it's in
2: Thousand Oaks. What's yeah. it called? It's the Civic Arts Plaza, and and we, you know, we put. It, we're about to do West Side Story in July, uh, July twenty sixth. We open, so get your tickets to that. But it's an incredible thing for me to give back to my community and to give back to the public.
1: Yeah, know yeah, I love that concept that you were talking about, Evolution. That's what Danny was talking about too. The sense that you have to keep evolving in your career and make it interesting along the way.
2: I had no, I had no choice because again, right? He's he's my uh, idol, Danny, and, and for a showman,
3: <laughs> I gotta tell you. How do you get tickets right now to see a show? Is there a number yeah, I can right. call? Oh yeah, well you can go you can go to Five Star <laughs> okay, Theatricals. Okay, who's the expert here? He's That's fantastic, and he's got it written it down.
2: <laughs> it's Five Star Theatricals, okay. right in Thousand Oaks. You go, and get to your tickets. Y- yes, thank you for plugging
1: your show. You're, you're, <laughs> you're more than welcome.
3: I go. Why is this not happening? I'd do it four times by now if I worked there. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Okay, so why don't we, and your radio show?
3: Uh, uh, I'm on. Uh, I've been doing mornings for about a decade in Seattle. It's uh, 102.5 KZOK, and I'm assuming if you do any of those .com, you'll you'll the show,
2: yeah, and why don't you repeat that again?
3: It's a uh, KZOK.com.
2: Can I be a guest on
1: your yeah. radio yeah. show?
3: Sure. <laughs>
2: Can I be a
1: guest sure, on your radio Absolutely,
3: because that's what kind of showed us. If you say you want to be on, yeah, okay. And then I wouldn't talk to you ever again till you came in and we'd see what happened. Much like this, we haven't just out there, ladies and gentlemen, we have not spoken one second about doing this show. I showed up exactly an hour ago and we went in here and you've heard what happened. I, for one, think it's terrific. Oh, I think, good. ladies and gentlemen of the jury, you're hearing the Shrink and the Showman's first show, and hang on for the 50th, because it's coming. Oh. And we're going to have
2: you back for all 49 of those shows. <laughs> and, and, and I can promise you, if we go on his show together, it's the Showman and the Shrink. And all of a sudden, J.B. Jay- <laughs> I've I
1: known him
3: since he was seven. I just met you. I
2: know. But, well, we're going to
3: have
1: to talk about that, because it's not what's in the contract. But oh, that's I... a whole other thing. We have a couple minutes left. I just wondered if you guys have any parting thoughts or things you want to share with our audience. It's,
2: uh, it's awesome for me personally just sort of, I mean this is our first show together as the Shrink of the Showman and and he was so kind, Danny. He was down here and with his wife, Amy, to just come on and do this for us and, and to be the first guest. And, you know, I'm, I'm very touched. I'm very uh, touched.
3: I, I, I'm glad. And I, one of the things, I mean, I was going to do it no matter what, no matter what condition, but I don't know what you know and or think about me. So much like your brother said, I'm going to show up sober, on time, and be good. And that's what I did. So I'm, there's another Cassidy going, oh, man, he's terrific. He looks good, works out. And that's important to me. Oh, I'm <laughs> going <gonna cry, so laughs> to cry.
1: Actually, actually, Danny, you learned, you know, that he's been holding a grudge. Again against you yeah. for the last 40 years because you know you got all the attention from his well, mom
3: I, if i have time <laughs> i stayed mad at your dad for a little while Here, sean cassie and i paid us ten dollars to move the, he, jack has building a pool in the backyard in beverly hills and he goes i'll give, I'll you, give you kids ten dollars if you move those rocks and we move all that must have been a ton by one rock at a time and then we were done me and sean we go up to him and we put our hands for ten dollars and he looks at us straight in the face and he goes i meant over there <laughs>
1: I love that. Okay, that's such a great story. Listen, we're going to say goodbye. So, do you have a song for us to end, Mr. Showman?
2: You say yes. I say no. I you say hi. I mean, hi. hi. I say, bye,
1: bye, bye, buddy. bye. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay.
1: So, Danny, it's a pleasure to have you it was, on. It was I'd a love real to,
3: treat to be here. Thank you, darling.
1: I'd love to have you on again anytime.
3: Thank you very much. And thank you,
2: Patrick.
1: And guess what?
3: I wouldn't like to have you on. So
1: you just want to have the showman show. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen. You're you're tuning into the showman show. (laughs) Right. The shrink is no longer here. Okay. Thank you, guys. Pleasure to have you both on. Say goodbye, Patrick. Say goodbye, Patrick. Say goodbye, Howard. Bye, Howard. Uh, We'll be back next week. Thanks, guys.